Welcome to The Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Sanditon. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Jillian Davis. We're proud partners of the Frolic Podcast Network, a community made up of your favorite voices in all of Romancelandia and beyond. Keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at The Pemberley, and email us any questions at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another very exciting episode of the Pemberley Podcast. How are you doing, Yolanda? I'm doing well. You know, it's a nice sunny day right now. How are you doing? Good. Actually, the thing that I'm most excited about the weather is that I feel like our little heat wave has subsided, and it's supposed to be a beautiful day here today in L.A., a very fun indoor activity that you and I wanted to talk about. That activity is, of course, Netflix. The center of that Netflix is the show Never Have I Ever. Yes, this is the new show by Mindy Kaling. It's starring a young, basically a young version of herself. Yeah. <laughs> going through high school and dealing with family and boys and friends and all the different dynamics there. All while overcoming the death of her father, the very sudden mm-hmm. death of her father. And it's like, oh my gosh, I think everyone on planet earth should have to watch this show just because like it was very it felt very near and dear to my heart as like a weird nerdy high school girl davy is the name of our main character and she's very desperate to be popular i was never desperate to be popular but i also understand feeling like a huge weirdo nerd in high school and also adulthood and so i thought it was just like a really great show showing her life Full disclosure, I was destroyed by the end. Everyone I have spoken to about this show was destroyed by the end. You will cry. And if you don't, you don't have a heart. I'm sorry. (laughs) We should also talk about the fact that one of the friends Davy has, the actress, is from Victorville. (gasps) Yeah, it's um, Fabiola, right? Who is from Victorville. (laughs) Yeah, the actress who plays Fabiola. Major shout out to our fellow IE people in entertainment. There's not a lot of us. (laughs) Everyone should watch that show. It's wonderful. Watch it with a box of tissues. And speaking of small towns. (laughs) (laughs) Love that transition. Small suburbia suburbia towns, I guess. Let's talk about Sanditon. Let's. So the official logline that the PBS website gives us for episode seven of Sanditon is, with the regatta approaching, the success of the resort hangs in the balance. As do a number of romances. So mysterious. So I actually, so I like intrigue. this one. <laughs> Yeah. It's so great because I didn't even know the word regatta existed until I saw this show. And now yeah. I, I can't help but like gasp and swoon and put my hand to my heart every time I say like regatta, you know, like I just feel like that's the only way to pronounce it. <laughs> It's a very exciting event. I was like, do I want to attend a regatta? I know. I'm just like, we don't throw enough regattas in our time. And I'm just like, should I be throwing one? Didn't we look it up and it was like the term for like a, you know, the social event with the boat race? I think so. It's just a boat race. (laughs) Yeah, which I think now that people just call it a boat race. So it's not as fancy. It sounds fancier when you say regatta. So if you know anything about boats, is regatta common in other parts of the world email us but we don't open on the party we open on lady denim's deathbed we're coming off of a very dramatic episode in episode six georgiana got kidnapped not to be overlooked and rescued 
And Lady Denim collapsed and is basically about to die. And Tom Parker's main concern is my money. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the town. Mm-hmm. Even his wife Mary's like, how could you possibly think of a thing like that? He's like, do you want to lose our home and everything we have? Yep. I mean, <laughs> And she's like, oh, oh God, right. <laughs> I mean, it's very practical thinking, but we'll see this over the course of the episode. But nobody's really sad that Lady Denim's about to die. Like, Tom, will I lose my main investor? And for Clara and Edward and Esther, it's like, am I going to lose my potential fortune? Oh, because that's another thing we're coming off of, a very dramatic fashion where Edward and Clara colluded by burning her will and having sex on the library floor. Yeah, because it really is about what Lady Denim represents. Like, what does her death mean for all these different characters? And in true, I guess, Disney villain fashion or, or any kind of true villain fashion, Clara decides to reveal her entire plan or what all her schemes to Esther. She's like, and here's every single bullet point of what I've been doing and what you think is true is not true. Edward and I had no choice but to burn it. We agreed a half share each was a far more agreeable outcome. Edward would never conspire with you. And yet, there is no way to feign the kind of fondness he showed me. She has always seen her and Edward as like the true people who are scheming against Clara and against everyone else. And actually, that's not true. It's Clara who's kind of been scheming behind her back with Edward. There's a really like solid slap that across the face that Esther gives Clara. Yep. And really it's just like out of anger because like this person that she genuinely loved doesn't love her back. She feels like betrayed. Yeah, I mean, she has every right to feel how she's feeling. Something that we've discussed in the past is she doesn't really have her own identity. She doesn't really have a life outside of Edward. So it's like she very much sees this as him and her against the world. And when she hears that he'll totally sell out and work with the enemy, that's its own slap in the face. And I do love that you pointed out it was a very Disney villain of Clara to do that because then Esther goes into an unconscious Lady Denim's bedroom and is just like, screw it, you know? Like, she has nothing left to lose. She basically is probably getting screwed out of a fortune. She doesn't have anybody who loves her. So she's like, just so you know, no one's really sad about your death. You're an old mean lady and no one's sad that you're going. But here's the trouble that has been caused by Edward and Clara. I'm not happy about it. So there. It's interesting just how much they've just been after her fortune. And it really isn't about her at this point. It's never been about her. Maybe if they had known up front, like, yeah, you're all getting equal shares or something. Even between Edward and Esther, like this manipulative relationship, like would it have ever occurred either? You know, there's there's a lot that unfortunately the fortune <laughs> like <laughs> uh, kind of messed up with ever with all their lives. Because it really leads me to believe. Because I, you know, we started really not liking Esther as a character. Like she gave us definite Caroline Bingley vibes, and I feel like over the course of the show, we've really learned that she is a product of the world that she's coming from, which is like Edward, Edward, mm-hmm. Edward, Edward, Edward. And he just like, part of me thinks he's not even capable of loving anyone because he only, he's so selfish. He only loves himself. 
He only wants to make sure that he's got enough money in his pockets to like live a lavish lifestyle. Right now it's not good for anyone, but in the end I think it's actually very good for Esther because everyone has been revealing who they really are. We'll definitely see more of it in this episode, but this is where we see Esther at her most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. For sure. She bears it all to what she thinks is an almost corpse of Lady Denim. I mean, the German (laughs) doctor's running in and out. Like, she's definitely about to die, you guys. Like (laughs) I said, in my humblest of opinions, I think it's all the seawater that she has been drinking. But, you know, I'm not a doctor. What do I know? There's a lot of like little storylines that are happening throughout this episode because again, we're like second to last episode. So much needs to get wrapped up. So we're getting like very quick glimpses of everyone's story at the same time. So it's a little hard to feel like we're not just jumping around, but we're trying to like figure out what to focus on. I know there's a lot of loose ends that need tying up. A couple of things they set up early on is that Georgiana is not okay. She is wallowing in her room from being kidnapped, which totally comes with its own PTSD. And Sydney's like, get up, it's a great day. He just kind of leaves Georgiana's room, shows up at his brother's house with his widowed ex-girlfriend. And then, now that this is super important, I just want to throw out, they threw in a scene where he's like stress swimming in the sea and he comes out of the water very naked as per usual and immediately puts his clothes on without drying off with a towel or something. And I frankly don't understand when people do that in the movies. It's unacceptable. You can't just put your dry clothes back on your wet body. Monster. He just wanted to fit in another scene where you could see him shirtless. He's just doing the most as an executive producer. (laughs) (laughs) He's doing his part. But after we sort of check in on these early points of the episode, we are back to Shay Denim, where Lady Denim has risen from the dead, pretty much out of spite. Yeah, the doctor's like, it's miraculous. It's like unprecedented. How could this possibly have happened? But he's like, yeah, my remedies, I guess, work, which is a surprise (laughs) even to the doctor. Um, But I do like that. After Esther had kind of revealed everything, she is like, no, I'm not done yet. And like comes back up and is stronger than ever or regaining her strength. I love that she's like, I almost died once. Never doing that again. (laughs) Like... She's staying around for longer this time. It's great. And she basically calls all of her heirs to the bedroom and Edward and Clara are like, oh, we were so worried. We never left your side. I'm so glad you're okay. And she's like, shut up. Lady Denim is kind of self-aware in that she pretty much knows that no one likes her. You know, she knows that no one's really going to mourn her death. But I think that Esther's sort of truth to her while she was quote unquote unconscious. Maybe she felt like a little alliance with her because she basically turns on Clara and Edward. Like a phoenix, I am rising from the ashes, which is more than can be said than my last will and testament. It's like your miserable souls. That is blackened beyond redemption. And so she's like, Edward, you're disowned. Clara, You didn't have a huge claim, and now you have even less of a claim. I never want to see your guys' ugly faces ever again. The way Clara looks at Edward is like she assumes he told her or he said something. Because that was something before Esther went in to see Lady Denim and reveal everything. Edward was actually in in the room for a long time. Like, they were waiting. So we don't know exactly, like, 
what he could have been saying too. Maybe he was revealing a lot of stuff too, or who knows what he was doing in there. We don't see it at all. Clara's uh, Disney villain reveal ended up coming back to hurt her in the end. I know it's funny because she just did that to hurt Esther and bring her mm-hmm. down. And then she was like, psych. She confessed everything. And well, it's funny because it's not like she goes to loving Esther. She's like, well, Esther, it looks like you're my only heir. Like, looks like you're yeah. the last one standing. I feel like Esther has a job that I consider a cool job for upper class young women at the time, which is just you were an older lady's companion. I for one think this is a great job because you just have to hang out with an older lady. You guys talk about whatever, and then you get to live a lavish lifestyle. And then eventually you get married and it's great. Kind of like Amy March in Little Women. Sure. I think what's interesting too about Esther getting the fortune now is that she kind of came to a place at the end of her speech where she was like, I don't really care about the money anymore. Anymore. I don't care about this fortune because it has like she used the word of like it's like a cancer and like it's been kind of taking over all their lives so she almost accepted the fact like she's like you know what I'm not gonna get a fortune whatever and now it's suddenly all hers well that's a good point because the other thing is Edward's been convincing her this whole time that the only way she can have the fortune is if they're in this together <laughs> she can't live without him and he's definitely done a good job tethering her to him that way by saying like you can't possibly make it or get this fortune or handle it without me. We need to do this together. And then he schemes behind her back and tries to get the fortune. I mean, he never said he was going to cut her out, but I think he'd cut her out in a heartbeat. And now she's like, holy crap. Not only have I just had them both systematically cut out of my life, but the money is mine. And I think she realizes for the first time, she doesn't have to share it with Edward. She can just hold on to the money because she's the sole heir. She deserves it. She has no reason to share it with Edward other than they're in love. But if he doesn't really love her, what reason has she to share her fortune? You could then also see it as like, for the first time in her life, she has control. Yeah. Because before she was kind of just under the whim of Lady Denham, and she was under the control of her stepbrother's manipulative ways. And now like she's free of all of that. And she can fully make decisions on her own, mm-hmm. which is something very new for her. Cut to, guess who's back in town? Babington. Yeah, he's in town for the regatta because he's one of the, along with Crow, who is like constantly drunk. uh, (laughs) They're one of the pairs who are going to be competing. And he's like trying to not really look around for her, but he's looking around for her. Even Crow's like, why are you still hung up on this woman? He's like, no, I'm not. And he's still looking around for her. (laughs) He's. It's funny. He's not even being subtle about it. They're walking down the street and he's looking up. He's looking behind them. He's like, dude. Be cool. (laughs) And it's crazy because like, it's not like an imagined thing for him because they had a really nice time last time he was in town. He asked her to marry him and she turned him down. It was like a sudden change because everything had been going well. It had been going nice. And then suddenly she like, she won't even invite him into the house. I don't think he's fully given up. Nope. In a non-creepy way, Babington's not really a quitter. And we're going to see like a really good side of him later. Which we're glad that he's not giving up actually like even though because like i think we find out too like why esther feels like she doesn't deserve him either i'm just like looking at our outline and i'm like oh yeah most of this is drama with the denim fortune spliced with some tension between sydney and charlotte lady susan arriving and then but that's all a lot of setup yeah because i'm like oh yeah i forgot charlotte's in this episode (laughs) 
we've um, been talking about the denim fortune for so long. You know, the last few episodes have not been all that denim heavy. And so now this is like one of the big ends that get tied up. One yeah. of the things that we see after Esther, so Edward and Esther have kind of a reunion after Lady Denim kicks, like disowns him. And he's like, we won, we did it. And Esther's like, really? You're still thinking about the money? You're not thinking about me. You're not thinking about anyone but yourself. Obviously this line didn't happen, but he kind of came at her of like, we won. And she's like, you mean I won. And that was a great moment. So now we're steadfastly approaching the regatta. One of the early activities is a sandcastle building contest. And everyone's sort of happy except Charlotte. Charlotte's building sandcastles with the Parker kids. Sydney and his widowed ex-girlfriend stroll up and they're like, this looks fun. You can definitely see, I feel bad for forgetting her name, but I also don't feel bad for forgetting her name. But ex-girlfriend is like kind of making side eyes at Charlotte because I think she notices that Sydney is paying a lot. Like she's a poor farmer's girl guest of his brother and he knows her pretty well yeah her name's eliza also like she kind of puts down everything about sanditan and about the sandcastle competition she's like oh i've been to so many other regattas and they had this and this other thing and like she's just really putting down everything about about sanditan almost like expecting sydney to join in because maybe that was something he did before maybe like they were always making fun of things together and and Sydney has a different perspective now. He's not just looking down on everyone. He's maybe trying to see people a little more equally. Perhaps that uh, is Charlotte's influence. I could definitely see him as the kind of guy who would like snicker in the corner. Just like, isn't this stupid? Isn't this dumb? And then Tom Parker is handing out ribbons for the Sandcastle contest when uh, his sister barges in and is like, Lady Susan, who is we've sort of essentially learned is like, mistress of the prince regent she's in town and she's like she's like literally the coolest person who's ever going to be in sanditon you got to say hi to her now so tom like runs from the beach to greet lady susan who has found herself in sanditon and he's like welcome we have everything you could ever want here and she's like thanks i don't want anything i came here to finish my conversation with my good friend charlotte and everyone's like what? Yeah, I like that Tom Parker even immediately hands her a business card and she's like, oh, cute. I'm not here for this. <laughs> like, yeah, I would have gone here. to Brighton if I wanted the sea. Yep, not here for you. I'm here to learn about the small town drama of my friend Charlotte. And then it's kind of cool because Charlotte gets to hang out with the most popular lady in the country for the regatta. So basically everything from here on out takes place at the regatta. Lady Susan is like pro Charlotte. She's shipping Charlotte and Sydney in a big way. I gotta say, mm -hmm. this episode, I personally am very pro young Stringer. Why is that? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Earlier on, he runs into Charlotte and he was like, I would very much like to have a substantial conversation with you at the regatta. He shows up for her and when she and Lady Susan are walking around and Lady Susan's busy with her new, her London friends who have joined her, he's like, can I walk with you? And she's like, yeah, I've got to like walk and check on some of the boats if you want to walk with me. And actually I feel really bad for him because he's like, you seem down. And she's like, yeah, I basically just found out this guy I love doesn't want me back. And he's like, oh, cool. Well, no, he, he weirdly kind of thinks that they're talking about each other because he's like but what if he loves you back like five times more 
And she's like, nah, there's no way. And he's like, no, she can't see I love her. And you're like, oh, no, yeah. this conversation is not about you, Stringer. <laughs> like, you've never revealed anything to her. No. Well, I mean, he's been really nice to her. and They've had really nice conversations. I think he just didn't think of the fact that, like, there's someone else. He finally sees it in this episode. He's like, oh, all this time where, like, she's been talking about this distress about someone has never been about me. <laughs> it's been about someone else entirely. So he they sort of part ways there and Charlotte and Sydney have a very sort of intimate is a strong word, but they have a sort of like an intimate moment together because he's setting up the rowboat for the regatta and he like asks her to help him balance the boat. And so there's hand holding. I would say it's intimate because they hold hands and then like he like reaches and like touches her back too. So yeah. like, Oh, I forgot about the back very, touch. It's a very close intimate moment between them. And not only that, but they're row, row, rowing along and who should see but Eliza. Yeah, and I love the way Eliza is like, I gotta break this up. (laughs) She calls out to Sydney and she's like, look over here, remember? And that's when he kind of, you know, separates himself a little more from Charlotte. But I also kind of like that throughout, now that Eliza's back in town and back a little bit back in his life, he's also trying to out loud process this with Charlotte. Because one of the things he says, A man cannot step into the same river twice. You ever heard that? He is not the same man and he's not the same river. So he's like trying to figure out too. He's like, if I go back to Eliza, is that not just me? Like, am I the same man still? I think he's just trying to process like, what am I going to do? Because he's really has someone who he's been thinking about for 10 years, the possibility of her. And suddenly she's there. But now he's met this other young woman who is possibly better for him. Yeah. And I think that's a really big obstacle for him is like, he's always loved the idea of Eliza. It was going to be her. And then it suddenly wasn't. And I think he's asking himself, do I still want her? Or did I just want her for so long? Like it's different when the opportunity is right in front of him because it's so easy to want and long for a life that you don't have. You're always just going to assume that it's going to be better. Now that he has someone more realistic, like in his grasp that he's in love with, he's just like, do I even want Eliza as much? Or do I want to go for Charlotte? This feeling of do I still want her is highlighted when Sydney is standing with his two brothers at the regatta before the boat race starts. And his brother Arthur says like, wow, I would not trust her. I, I don't think I could like take her back because of what she did to you all those years ago, you know, like I think they were engaged. That's also going through Sydney's mind. But the other part of him is like, well, but now I'm the wealthy moneyed older man. Like I have all of those things now I can provide for her and like I think it's really hard to ignore that for so long he's wanted her to want him it doesn't feel as good as he thought it would no one really knows his true feelings for Charlotte I mean you look at Tom who's like it's a no-brainer you go with Eliza you wanted her for so long this makes sense and Arthur who's like "Mm, I don't know if you should do that but like no one's being like maybe Charlotte is good after all like no one's no one knows like this internal struggle he's going through Uh, he's not someone who shares his feelings with his siblings there's been this kind of Darcy Elizabeth tension between them where Sydney always thought he would marry like a beautiful woman of means like a mature woman and stuff like that and Charlotte is still very young and she's like 
a middle class country girl. And so I think there's still a part of his brain that's like, could we even work? Actually, this is a good episode because Lady Susan is taking mm-hmm. her around town and she's like, this is my new best friend, Charlotte. We're best friends in case you haven't heard. And like, Charlotte's holding court. She's really smart. Actually, and speaking about that, that's when um, I love that Lady Susan's like, we got to just find uh, Eliza's <laughs> Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, I realized it's you, Charlotte. <laughs> like, you're the person she's just like obsessed with right now. And they get into a conversation Lady Susan tries to make it about marriage and that's when Eliza's like well you know Charlotte you're of an age where you should be thinking about marriage you should think about someone like in your village yeah that was and rude that's like <laughs> a little bit of the yeah the, that's a bit of the conversation between really Lady Susan going to bat for Charlotte she could easily marry someone of status and Eliza's like really trying to push her down being like mm, no she'd be more comfortable with someone who is just, like of her level and it's not something that Sydney obviously can weigh in on because he is the person of status who may have an interest in being with Charlotte. So it would be very obvious if he weighs in on the conversation. But obviously that upsets Charlotte because this woman who uh, she's heard great things about is just putting her down in front of everyone and really just embarrassing her because Eliza like tries to open it up to like everyone around and then we're like okay let's stop laughing at Charlotte. (laughs) Charlotte runs away and Sydney catches up to her to try to stop her and and, like apologize on Eliza's behalf. In the background you see Stringer looking on at the scene and he's like oh (laughs) she is in love with Sydney. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's never been it's never been about me. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> well, and I love it because the thing that Charlotte says to Sydney is, "What is it you want from me?" That's where hopefully Sydney realizes he's been like playing with her feelings a bit. Like if he's not serious about her, he should like leave her alone. Yeah, cuz it's something they've kind of been dancing around but hasn't been said out loud. So this is the first time really Charlotte is voicing it out loud of like, "What are your intentions basically?" <laughs> Yeah, no, and I think that she has to ask those questions because otherwise, like, if you don't make those demands, then nothing will ever happen. And they'll just be like, no, I just thought we could just keep going as is for a while. Very non-committal. And as all of this drama is unraveling, we are bringing in another part of Sanditon drama because Edward, he's reeling from the fact that he is a disowned gentleman. He has no money, no fortune. The woman who has been under his control for years has basically rebuffed him. And so he shows up like, I would say like kind of drunk. And he like Mm -hmm. sees Babington and is like, You should know my sister is utterly deluded. She's been making the most preposterous slurs against my name. Breaks my heart to say it, but she's dead to me. You're welcome to her. I hate the language he uses there. He's like, you can have her. Like, you get the hint of something weird going on there, which again, like, everyone in this town has their secrets. Everyone's hiding something. And Babington's like, that's not the Esther I know. Like, he tells us to crow later, but he's like, what was that about? Like, but we get to that later because right now they have to focus on the race. And they have the Parker brothers in one boat. You have Babington and Crow and someone else in another boat. You have the workers of Young Stringer. And then you have another boat, which is random people. Who knows who they are? Don't care. (laughs) The actual race is kind of a small part of this whole episode. Babington and Crow 
basically he like is so drunk he's not steering the ship so they like the ship the rowboat and so they kind of like crash off to the side with the no name party so the real race is between the parker brothers and young stringer i mean i think it's obviously kind of a symbolically it's a race for charlotte's heart you know there's like sydney Mm -hmm. who's like hella hesitating and there's stringer who's like I need to make my intentions known because she doesn't know that I like her. And they're rowing and they're rowing and young Stringer's boat pulls forward and he wins. Yeah, and I love kind of right before that, Eliza showed up next to Charlotte and was like, I hope Sydney wins because like, what's the point of competing if you don't win? And then he yeah. ends up losing. <laughs> no, and that was so sly because, well, obviously she's not talking about the boat race. She's talking about no. like the race for Sydney's heart. The fact that she's just like, I don't lose is really like, you know? But yeah, Stringer wins. He gets presented the trophy by Lady Susan, who just showed up into town and now has the honor of presenting this award. Yep. Which of course makes sense. And I love that when he's like getting congratulated, he also shakes Sydney's hand and he tells him like, congrats, you won. And and Stringer says like, not the race I was hoping to win or something like that. Mm. And you're like, nice comment for the audience, but Sydney has no idea what you're talking about. So after the race then, Babington goes over to see Esther. He's like, I heard some things, like, like, Edward said some things, I don't believe it, like, I don't know what's going on, but, like, he starts to put two and two together of, like, it seems like you've been under your brother's control, and I think you're free now, and I think that's good. And it's, like, kind of things that she hasn't wanted to say out loud, like, he's voicing for her. Really, she kind of breaks down, and he's there to comfort her. He alone has had the power to determine your self-worth, and he has abused that power in ways I can barely even guess at. I do like that he is coming to her just as a friend and trying to help her, though. Like, he's not coming here with the intentions of, like, and now she'll see that, like, I'm saving her or anything like that. He's just like, no, I'm here for you as a friend. You have so few people in your life who can do that right now. Yeah. Or who have ever done that. I think it's jarring to Esther because she's never experienced that in her life. Like, no one's ever been there for her. Yeah, I I will say, though, like, I think it's fine that... Badminton is the one who helped her come to terms with this and really realize this. I do wish that it was Esther on her own coming to terms with this and learning this on her own. I think this is where I have, I guess, an issue overall with this show and the series because I feel like a lot of things just are happening to the women and it's not a lot of like the women taking their own power and going and and taking action and doing things. It's a lot of just like things are happening to Charlotte, things are happening to Georgiana and men save them. And in this case too, a lot's happened to Esther and she ends up having to get really saved by someone else. And I just, I do wish that there had been more of like women being able to kind of take back their own power. Because I feel like the only woman who like is definitely not controlled by any man or like her, nothing about any man determines how she lives is Lady Denim. Mm -hmm. And she's the one everyone hates because she's a mean old lady. (laughs) She's mean for a reason because like she knows like people are snakes and everyone's just after her fortune. So she's got to be wary of that too. I'm sure she reached a point in her life where she's like no one will ever like me for me so I may as well also be a total snake to people so in a way poor lady denim (laughs) 
wouldn't say poor Lady Denim. I mean, I think she fully knows what she's doing, you know? She is very aware of the situation she's in, and she's, like, just trying to make the most of it, really. She's like, you know what? I'm gonna die being alone and probably not mourned, but, like, who cares at this point? (laughs) It's funny because she definitely gives me Lady Catherine vibes. Like, I feel like most insanely wealthy older ladies in Jane Austen's novels are just like... I'm going to say what I want. I'm going to be as stubborn as I want. And I don't care if any of you like me or dislike me for it. (laughs) But the very, very, very end of the episode is not Babington offering his heart to Esther. It is Charlotte working late and um, she's alone. And then Sydney drops by and he's just like, hi, I know things have been weird. I just want to let you know that I feel I'm myself when I'm with you. Yeah, he kind of like doesn't really, but kind of sort of reveals his feelings toward Charlotte. There's just too many long drawn out proposals of love. Just say it. Yep. (laughs) I feel like this is his way of saying it. Yeah, I mean, which just kind of confuses Charlotte a little more because she's like, we've kind of been in this I don't know phase. So now it seems like they're headed towards something a little more positive, but we don't quite know what that direction is yet because Eliza is still in the picture oh wait no that's right because she thought he was going to go back to London with Eliza and he chose to stay in Sanditon so that's a major major decision on Sydney's part I'm not going with Eliza I'm choosing Sanditon in a way he's saying I'm choosing you Charlotte yeah but again he hasn't explicitly said that we can only hope that's where things are leading but we don't know yet it's kind of like will Esther accept Except Babington as he is, will Charlotte and Sydney get together? Will uh, I'm trying to think of all the other. We got a couple of loose strings. What's gonna <laughs> There's happen? A lot to, of stories. A lot of, what's gonna happen to Young Stringer? Tune in next week to see how all these knots are tied up because it's the last episode. Yeah, I mean there is so much still to go through. It feels like we got through so much in the episode and there's only one episode left to tie it all up stay tuned to see how this goes 